This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. At what point period of quarterback competition to having a starter, giving them the majority of the reps, and getting them prepared for Miami and to be the starter throughout the rest of the year. Yeah, I don't have a timetable on that, Chris. So can't can't tell you. I mean, do you feel like I, I know you said you don't have a timetable, but do you feel like that's something that's coming up soon here as we get to the end of, of training camp? You'll approach that or make that decision at the end of training camp here. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Not sure exactly how that'll go. All right, Big Mike. Um, Cam Newton returned to Patriots practice today. Um, <laughs> assumed oh, wow. his position as QB1. Uh, took the starters reps. And uh, based on uh, the reporting out of Foxborough, uh, performed better than Mac Jones did today. Um, Mac Jones even acknowledged that the Giants defense made a few adjustments with their safeties. Um it made life a little more difficult for the rookie today. Uh, your thoughts, right to you, our uh, roving Patriots correspondent <laughs> who has the pulse of this franchise. Well, it's funny that you say that. It's funny that you say I have the pulse of this franchise because that's really where I want to start, Mike. Uh, you know, there's a guy that we both have covered. Uh, great mug and great shirt, by the way. Great mug, great shirt. Um, there's a, a, a guy that we both covered and you used to work with a guy by the name of Teddy Bruschi. So when Teddy Bruschi yeah. uh, was on TV once, he made a joke that really wasn't there. There's truth in all jokes, right? But he made a joke uh, to some people who were working with him, foreign football players, and he was, he was explaining the psychology of Bill Belichick. And at one point he said, fellas, I am Bill Belichick. And, and what he was trying to say is, look, I got it. I can tell you every you give me a situation you give me a scenario and it's like one of those games you freeze it right there before the person says something and then you go to somebody else and, and you say okay are they going to say a B or C or none of the above and and Teddy Bruschi and others who have been around Bill Belichick would score an A or an A plus on that now I wasn't like the players but I was pretty I used to be pretty good on Bill Belichick psychology what I'm trying to tell you is I don't know him anymore. I don't know him. <laughs> I don't know. That I, I just don't know him. I don't, I, don't. <laughs> I don't know this guy because this is a guy. One of the things Bill Belichick, I, I'll, I'll just give you an example. I'll give you an example. Uh, a lot of Patriot haters, rightfully so, uh, throughout the United States of America and internationally. A lot of Patriot haters for a thing for their success and for for their trifling behavior over the years and some of the scandals. So people just aren't down with the Patriots and I'm not here to argue that. But I remember with one of the scandals, as soon as it came out, as soon as it, there was something about deflate gate and tampering with the footballs, I know you, you may have heard something about that. I immediately thought, no, nah, well, 
Belichick didn't have anything to do with that because I know how he loves to mess with people, particularly the quarterbacks when it comes to the football. How if the quarterbacks say, I want the football at a certain level, he'll go the opposite. He's a troll when it comes to comfort level for his football players because his whole point is, it's never going to be the way you want it to be. And I'm going to try to come up with some extreme scenario to make you uncomfortable. That'll make you better. So I, I used to know that with Belichick. But this is a guy, Mike, who never made excuses for people. But that's all he does now for Cam Newton. He is Cam Newton's official enabler slash excuse maker. That's all he does. Give him an opportunity. Throw lob up a question for Cam Newton, and you'll get an excuse out of Bill Belichick. Cam Newton had COVID. Cam Newton... Didn't know the offense that well that, uh, that last year. When Cam Newton threw for like 100-something yards in a game, he'd say, well, he threw for two or 300 last week. Where were you then? Or he'll say, hey, there's more to football than, than the stats. And like, on and on. And so even when it's obvious right now that Cam Newton is not the best quarterback on the Patriots, Bill Belichick and his stubbornness. to whom? Oh, my God. Oh, oh, goodness gracious. Let me duck from this glass house and the bricks coming out of them. Uh, uh, wait a minute. Wait, hold on, man. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Like, okay. Like we, we brothers, we keep it a buck with each other. You said you don't recognize Bill Belichick. I don't recognize the dude on my screen right now because Michael quite candidly, it feels like every time there's an opportunity for you to bash Cam Newton or talk about how Cam Newton is washed up, how Cam Newton is done, and remind us that he threw eight touchdown passes last year. You I take didn't say it. it. You brought it up. Like you said, you, you brought, brought it up. Is it bad? Is it bashing? Up? So is are are you brought brought the, the, the eight touchdown passes? Oh. But it's a great set. It's a great set. Uh, let me ask you this: Is it bashing when it's true? When you speak what's true, are you bashing that person? Like, okay, if am I bashing the Baltimore Orioles? Yeah, I know what we're truth. talking about. If I'm bashing the Baltimore Orioles when that's I say, right. man, y'all lost 19 games in a row, well, why are you bashing us? You that's did it. Like, what, am, I, am, I, am I not, not supposed to mention it? That's not the same ballpark. It's not the same league. It's okay. not the same sport. Okay? It, it, it truly is not the same true. sport. Literally, it's not the same sport. Exactly. Okay. That, that was the, if, if, if ever there were perfect time to use that quote, it was there. Um, no, that's not yeah. the same thing, Michael, because that's objectively true. When you say, is it true to bash somebody if or is it is it bashing somebody if it's true? Excuse me. Whose truth? Because what I keep telling you is that yes, Cam Newton was bad last year after he caught COVID. Yes, he only signed for three and a half million dollars. Yes, they drafted a quarterback in the first round in Bill Belichick's coaching career for the first time for the first time in Bill Belichick's coaching career. Okay. Yes, there is something to be said for playing the guy with upside if they're even. But Michael, you said it's obvious. You just said moments ago, it's obvious that Mac Jones is the best quarterback on the Patriots. Obvious to whom? And that's not to say, Michael, that's not to say that Bill Belichick and by extension Josh McDaniels Clearly can't not be to the wrong guy. in their evaluation. Clearly. That's not to say that they can't well, be wrong Josh in their McGa evaluation. Leave. Let me just tell you this. Okay, now you asked me before what my opinion was and what I know. Okay, bruh. Mm -hmm. Leave Josh McDaniels out of it. That's all I'm going to tell you. Sure. Leave Josh McDaniels out of this and put it on Belichick. Okay, maybe he prefers. Mac you know Jones. what I'm saying? Maybe he prefers Mac Jones. Okay, but hey, not to not not to throw shade at anybody necessarily, not to get anybody get caught in the crossfire. But Josh McDaniels ain't infallible either. 
Okay, just so like, right, right. None no, of them no know question. everything. Hey, we none of them know everything, and and, and we know less. No, and we argue. know less. You got so no all, all right. I've ever, And I'm not arguing with you. Hundred percent. Hundred percent with you. But all I'm saying to you is that you may believe that Mac Jones is better, but neither you nor I are at training camp. And this is not me falling back on the fact. I'm not Mike. Please, before you even just just so there's no misunderstanding. Okay, that's my theme I'm today. No, no, I'm listening. So there's no, I'm trying to minimize all possible misunderstandings. Today. I'm good. Like this is I'm peace oh, and calm. You didn't play hey, the hey, game. As, yeah. No. Everything in the spirit in the spirit of your of of your shirt. Uh, everything is Irie, baby. I mean, like it's good. I, I, I'm with you. I understand it. Go ahead. Yes, that, like this is not like you didn't play, so you don't know what you're talking about, and that's and they get paid to do this, so they don't know. That's not what this is. I'm simply saying that I think back to some Charles Charles Robinson from Yahoo joins us quite frequently. We appreciate his time and him emptying his notebook, and he says a lot of insightful things. Uh, my favorite from this week's appearance was when he talked about Trevor Lawrence, and. It's so simple, so obvious, and yet so profound nonetheless that a scout or executive, one of his league sources was telling him, some of the incompletions that, you, that Trevor Lawrence is throwing show you just how advanced he is. So you'll see an incompletion, and it won't be a good thing, but then you'll see a completion and be like, well, that was good. And so, you know, you're not quite sure what you're looking at. And, we, and you and I both know that. We've been around football long enough to know that game management and, 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 and the quarterback position is a lot about the decisions that you make or the mistakes that you avoid or all incompletions and interceptions aren't on you. You and I both know that. So I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Yeah. But I, I hearken back to that commentary about Trevor Lawrence to go back to Mac Jones, who lit the world on fire in practice yesterday, that it's preseason. It's practice and consistency and maturity. Just like he said, Mac Jones said today, I was able to observe Cam Newton doing something with the Mike linebacker that he enlightened me on afterward. So Matt Jones still has a ways to go. So he can have all the great practices and preseason performances that he wants. But A, with all due respect to all of our football acumen, Michael, I think I'm pretty good on football. Like we don't yeah. know what we're looking at all the time. And we certainly don't know what Belichick is looking at. So that's all I've been. That's the only ground I've been holding firm on, Michael. In this, it's not that Mac Jones. If Mac Jones is a starter, I will tip my cap to you, tip it to him, and I think he'll do very well. Again, my most likely to succeed um, superlative for this quarterback class, but I don't think that Belichick is being an apologist. That that part, man, I was I, that was that was a hell of a. You came in hot with that one. That Belichick is a Cam apologist. No, it's not even hot. I don't think no, he's it's, trying to force Cam into the starting lineup. Because what was what would his rationale be for that? Well, no, this just this is just and it's not even necessarily hot. It's been building. I, I've just noticed this from Belichick. This is not uh, over the last couple of weeks or not even over the summer. This is uh, Belichick. Belichick really likes Cam. I mean, really likes him yes. personally. Yes. And he has yes. he has talked about Cam and and treated Cam in ways that you don't. Which how often many people would have said that? Hear him. How many people often predicted hear, that? Nobody. That's two it. years ago. I love that. Two years and ago. And I love that part. I thought about, think about the Cam fact Newton, that you just said that. About Cam Newton. Get out yeah. of my head. Get out of my head. I had that thought this morning. I said, wow. Nobody saw that, that this was not predicted. This was not in the script uh, of, of Belichick and, and Cam Newton and just really vibing. Where Cam Newton would say after the season, and back to the uh, Brandon Marshall podcast, they asked him, what do you think of Belichick? He said, Belichick, he said, I think he's dope. 
quote. He said, like, dope. Like, really? And a lot of he's like, you know, he's he's underrated. Like, people don't understand how dope Bill Belichick is. Who would think Cam Newton would say that about Bill? Who would Bill who would think Bill would say that about Cam? But that's beside the point. They like each other, and sometimes I think his personal uh, affinity for Cam, eh, it kind of spills over into the media. I, I, I've, just, I've, I've observed this over the, over the last couple of years. Into the media. Into the media. All right, but the last thing, and yeah. then we could move on. Do you, okay, so maybe, maybe I'm even misunderstanding you. Into the media and into what he says, but what about his actions? What about his evaluations? Do you think that his personal affinity yeah, for Cam Newton is spilling over into his evaluation and decision-making? Yeah, it's close. I, I'll say I'll say this about Bill. This is where Bill Belichick has not changed, and this is instructive for all of us who who all have this. We all have. I'm guaranteed everybody's got this this thread in them. Some people have 25 threads. Some people have one, but we all got it. Is you know the right thing to do, right? You know you've been thinking about something, but you don't like when people tell you about it. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. I just don't want you to tell me to do it, especially if I don't like you. Especially if I don't like you. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to do. Hey, dog, don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to do. Oh, what? Oh, what? No. And then, and then you yeah. don't do it. 100%. And so there's been a lot of that in the New England media. It's very childish, like the media. but we did. We, yeah. we did that as well, children. Remember as children? Hello, he, like, he can't. I'm going to clean right, up my room, right. but I feel like cleaning up my room. I was already going to do that, but now that you nope. told me to do that, no, nah, this is my room. In your house, or, but or it's you my start room. walking real slow. <laughs> you start walking, you go do it, but you start walking a little slowly. You don't have the urgency yeah, that the person wants yeah. you to have. Bill Belichick does not like the yeah. media, and everybody, it's like everybody has been using platform platforms uh, to kind of shout out. Cam, Cam Newton, now I'll tell you this, and this is where I kind of feel for him, and I'm going to have to just rethink it. Cam Newton doesn't have a guy, there is not a guy. And, and I use that term broadly, umbrella term. There's not a person, more accurately. He doesn't There's have a, a person King. in the media who's a king. He doesn't who's have a Cam Adam no. Not a single one. Yeah. Doesn't have an advocate. He doesn't have an advocate in, in the, the New media. England media. Yeah. Not a single one. Mm-hmm. And so you have that. Mm-hmm. Cam's very sensitive. And then Bill is media sensitive, but he won't show it. He's very aware Like, nope, don't ever think that Bill Belichick is not aware of what's being said about him and his team in the media, extremely aware. So everybody's shouting, hey, start Mac, start Mac, Cam's washed up, Cam's not the guy, got to move on. And he ain't buying it. He's going, he's more defiant because I think he hears yeah. the choir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I appreciate what you're trying to do. That I, you I respectfully, don't think it's that complicated. You respectfully Honestly, disagree. You disagree. I, I, yeah, yeah. Well, not even respectfully. <laughs> all right. But, no, That's but right. seriously. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, but seriously. That's honestly, okay. I think for both of us, because 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 we're, we're very much in a bubble here. You and I are very much in. in I, I know for me, I'm in my bubble with you. Okay, like you, you know, you got, you know, uh, New England sports tonight, and I, like I, I'm just thinking about our conversation when I say this. I think there is very much uh, confirmation bias, if I'm using that properly, on both our parts. Maybe when it comes to Cam Newton, because you talked about mm-hmm. being stubborn yesterday, which I appreciated it. I because I, I, I relate. So remember again, last year, I just knew Cam Newton was going to light it up, going into last year. Game one. I was one Game of the main people great. talking about how did the rest of the league let Bill Belichick end up with Cam Newton, right? Then he got off to a strong start. 
got COVID, and then when they kind of seemed like they were finding their way last season, I think we had a bet. Did you have a – what was the bet? That they would win eight games? I don't remember what the bet was. You I said won the they, bet. They will not have but a winning – they wouldn't have a winning record. I said they will okay. not have a winning record. You won record. the bet, obviously. Right. You obviously won the bet. So well, what did I win? Because I don't remember getting a thing from you. I like you haven't given me a thing. You haven't given me a, like a ride from the, a, you, like ride from the airport. I, you haven't given me a dollar. I you haven't you given two. me like a candy bar. Like what have I you given? I give you two hours. I give you two hours a day, Monday through Friday, three to five Eastern. That's what you get from me. Okay. <laughs> you so, ain't giving me that. You, you giving peacock actually, that. more than that. Okay. okay. But so going into this season, as much as high as I was on Mac Jones coming out of Alabama, and I really do want to get to one more topic before we go to break, so I'm trying to make this quick. All right. Um, as high all as right. I was on Mac Jones coming out of Alabama, as high as we all were and are on Mac Jones's fit in New England, I know I'd be lying if I didn't say part of me is already like subconsciously, and now I'm bringing it to my conscious level, come subconsciously pulling for Cam Newton and want, not just wanting to be right, but not wanting to see him go out like that. Meanwhile, you know, if you don't know any stat, you know that he threw eight touchdown passes last year, and he did not impress you. Last I didn't know year. that. I, you I hadn't heard that. that. I hadn't he, heard that. That he's done. I didn't know that. I didn't you, know. You, you think he's done, and so you are ready to I move do. on from Cam Newton in New England. So I think I both think of us a, are, are guilty of, of the same. I think he's a backup. You know. I think he's a backup quarterback for, I mean, a backup quarterback for a good team, for a good team. He's a starting. Speaking quarterback. of backup quarterbacks. Yes. Go ahead. Fin- Go ahead. Fin- wait, finish that sentence. Starting quarterback what? No, I said back. I know I think he's backup quarterback for a good team uh, and, and a starting quarterback okay. for a team that's not good. But anyway, go ahead. Okay. Speaking, Speaking of backup, of quarterbacks, backup quarterbacks, um, as a former backup quarterback myself, maybe that's why this resonates with me so much. Um, in Denver, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, not shockingly, performed well this preseason, I believe. Um, Named uh, the starting quarterback by Big Fangio, starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos, Teddy Bridgewater. Backup quarterback, Drew Locke. And Drew Locke, this is part of what he said to the media today. If every little league, high school, park ball, college, junior college, semi pro, hell, corporate, you know, corporate uh, executive. If everybody doesn't take what he said and play it for their group or their team, you're doing it wrong. This is what you want a player to say. Okay, when things don't go his way the way it didn't for Drew Locke. Check this out. You know, it's disappointing. Um, Every feeling that you could possibly have at this point in this day and this this circumstance, you know, they're running deep. you know, I feel like at the time I was playing some some of the best football I've played since I've been in the league. I've, I was more confident than I'd ever been, and most of you guys think of me as a confident guy, but I was probably more confident than I've been, you know, since I've been in the league and this OTAs, this training camp, you know, this preseason, and this, you know, such a special team. I was, you know, hoping and looking forward to being able to lead this team, but, you know, no finger pointing, no negativity. It's going to be about me finding ways to still, you know, make this team great, whether that's, you know, in practice, working with Teddy, trying to find ways for him to get better, whatever he needs me to do. Um, that's that's pretty much my goal, you know, 
look in the mirror, see what I need to get better at, figure out what it is to, uh, you know, keep progressing, keep getting better, you know, not taking any steps back, just keep taking steps forward without, you know, taking some of the reps. So, yeah, it was disappointing, but, you know, I'm going to do everything I can for this team, for Teddy, and, uh, you know, keep the momentum going forward as far as my play goes. Yeah, I'll make this quick because um, I don't want to keep Jason waiting too much longer. Point being, and, and, and they both, they, they see it on the screen, they both performed well. It was a close competition. I knew Drew, Drew Locke was a real one when he was rapping Jeezy on the bench. All right, I, I, I would like to know <laughs> he was rapping young Jeezy on the bench. Right, put all, put all, he, put all, he puts on for his city, puts on for his teammates, right? Um, by the nature of the game, you know, whether it's performance or especially when we're talking about Teddy Bridgewater, God forbid something unfortunate, you one play away. He's, go- he's going to be counted on this year. And I was just right. really impressed with his demeanor, with what he said. He said the right things. He was honest about how disappointed he was, but just said all the right things. And it's, it's really a lesson for a lot of people. We talked about Cam and whether or not he could be a backup. Like, that's, that's what you want out of a teammate. That's what you want out of a backup quarterback. That's what you want out of a colleague. That's what you want out of anybody. It's like, yo, this didn't go my way, but I'm going to keep trying to be the best version of myself that I can be. I'm going to do what I can to support yeah, the person who did get the job, you know, yeah. and, and just be ready. And he's going he's gonna to be called upon in some of the best stories in sports history have been the guy who, or, or woman who it didn't go well for initially who ended up having to come back and ride to the rescue, whether that's Jalen Hurts or Kurt Warner bagging groceries and then getting his opportunity because Trent Green's, you know, knee, uh, tore up his knee in, in training camp. Countless stories of people having setbacks for setups. So shout out to Drew Locke, tip of the Tom cap to Brady. Drew Locke. Um, to Tom Brady. Tom Brady, too, right? you know. But that yeah. wasn't really a competition as much. But yeah, you're right. And, and I, yeah, all of them are competitions. But yeah, you're right. This was like, hey, he thought he deserved it. Didn't get it. Didn't hang his head. Just super impressed with that kid. All right, man. Jason Johnson. Uh, I think he's got some Shakari Richardson thoughts for us. Oh, I can't wait. His Twitter reaction yesterday. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My opinion about what she did on her IG stories, what, what she did on her IG stories, Listen there, man. Um, not smart. Not smart at all. Of all people right. to go after, of all people to sub, of all people to shade, whatever the proper slang is, you do not go for the most decorated track and field athlete in U.S. history. <laughs> to which Jason Johnson uh, tweeted the brother from another account. Y'all, I got things to say tomorrow, to which I reply, you never. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, Mr. Black Lightning, hit us with it. Bring the thunder. So, so thank you, guys. This is, this is I feel like there has been, it's like there's been chains on us all, okay? There's been chains and gates around what we could and could not say about Shakari Richards. Uh, because of, of the pain of her circumstances, because of her losing her mother, uh, because of, of just the amount of institutional racism that many African-American and African women and Caribbean women were facing heading into the Olympics. So I think a lot of the criticism, people were concerned about it because you didn't want to appear to be piling on. But we don't have to worry about that no more because it's not the Olympics. And the fact of the matter is, this is, this is, this is bag fumbling at an Olympic level. Okay, we can accept that Shakari Richardson used marijuana and that cost her a chance to be in the Olympics. And we can argue about how those rules are dumb. We can talk about her pain, blah, blah, blah. My attitude at the time was she took responsibility for it. That was the end of the story, right? I mean, she, it, it, it's hard. It's difficult. It's frustrating. It was frustrating to see uh, Sue Bird and Megan Rapinoe talk about how they have, like, endorsements from marijuana companies, but for some reason they're still able to compete. But once that was over... You can't go out and come in ninth place in a race after you've been talking smack. You can't then follow that up by attacking Allison Felix, Michael, as you said, the most decorated track athlete in the history of this country. And look, I don't care if it's some real beef. I don't care if it's some Sloan Stevens, you know, uh, a Serena Williams kind of thing. Maybe Shakara Richardson felt like, Oh, that's just performing. She could have called me. Why is she going to say nice things on TV? Even if that is the case, silence is always free. Shutting up is always free. And I don't know who controls her phone, her friends, her crew, her girlfriends, her staff, but they need to snatch that phone out of her hand. I teach people her age. They can't stay off them internets. But if she keeps doing this internet nonsense, she's going to cost herself a lot of money. That, that's, that is... That is the number one lesson. You got to start winning races again before you can start talking smack about people who had to go through an extra security line because they got medals to bring home from Tokyo. Listen, I agree. I agree with you. I agree with you, Jason. Uh, and, and probably have the same take, but just to be fair, on the flip side, is there anything, is there any approach Shakari Richardson could have taken that would have gotten her some grace from the public. I'm guessing maybe no. What do you think? No! Think? No! You don't say anything. Like this is not a keep my name. But what if she what if she what if she but what if she did the right I'm saying well, my point is if she had done the right thing. If she doesn't go after Allison Felix. If she says, "Look, that was a great race and it looked like I don't even belong on the same track. I got a lot of work to do. These women are phenomenal. Even the 7th place finisher is great. I got a lot of work to do." Do people still come for her? 
I'm guessing they do, well, right? Well, see, Michael, see, I, I make a distinction between racist, misogynist, and bad faith haters and people who were relatively neutral who have been moved to one position or another because of her own behavior and because of her own words, right? Because the vast majority, 99% of the public outside of your racist Ben Shapiro's and your Charlie Kirk's and everything, 99% of the actual sports world, right? And certainly fans in general were somewhat, somewhat empathetic or sympathetic towards her when she missed the chance of performing the Olympics. Yes, it's frustrating. Yes, she made a decision, blah, blah, blah. But when you talk a lot of smack and then you lose a race, now, now you got that sort of Andre Agassi energy when you got all this attention and all this love, but, but you ain't really beating the best at this particular point. Like, if we go back to the 90s, and I think that was really the issue. If she had just lost and said, as you said, I think that would have been better. But the fact of the matter is, in the world of professional athletics, you win by winning. I, I, don't, I don't care if you're a nice person or not. It's winning. Simone Biles recovered everything that she may have lost by coming in and competing on something that ain't even her strong suit and getting a bronze. Now we're not going to hear a peep because Simone Biles came and did what she said she was going to do. Anyone who questioned her when she had to step out because of the twisties, which was always ridiculous, it's like, I'm not, I'm not about to judge this person. I don't know what she does. But anyone who even had those doubts can't say anything now because she came home with some extra around her neck. Shakari Richard doesn't have that right now. She's known for being somebody talking about being fast, but showing up slow in the instances that matter, and then attacking people. This is this is this is the worst way for you to be performing. You can't talk that much smack and not back it up on the field. And I say that as somebody who used to run track. Which is, which is why, um, you know, we're talking about missteps. We're talking about better approaches. For being honest, um, you know, we in the media, and all we all Michael and I can control is this show. But we in the media are co-conspirators, if you will, or, or we're, you know, accomplices because, and again, she was a huge story for all the reasons we, we know going into the Prefontaine Classic. We know that. And the news is the news. And Michael and I did our best to make sure that we did not shortchange um, Elaine Thompson hurrah and her 10-5-4. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, and for that matter, all three Jamaican ladies who repeated, you know, sweeping the podium the way they did in Tokyo. We tried our best not to do that, but still, if I may say so, we failed. Because any any attention that you're giving the ninth place finisher is too much attention. And we were guilty of that. I mean, if we were gonna talk about an American, probably should be spending more time talking about a thing mo. And and while I'm in the, you know, uh, while I'm in the, you know, correction mood, I'll just say this real quickly, Michael. You, you know, you observing my shirt. Uh, I, you know, I got a shirt for every occasion. This is to minimize any possible misunderstanding. Because Jason, I'm gonna tell you something, bro. I got so many Jamaican sisters at my head right now, brothers and sisters for that matter, at my head right now. And I do want to take this opportunity. I, I do want to apologize um, because I perpetuated, which it was not my intention, but I perpetuated the notion that it, American athletes are better than Jamaican athletes. And we're talking about Shelly Ann Frazier-Price. We're talking about somebody who's run 10-7 or better 20 times, so I'm about an eight-time medalist. So, you know, she is their Allison Felix, right? But I, yesterday in particular, because I had tried to uh, understand Shakari's bravado on, on Saturday, Jason, on Monday, I came back yesterday, Michael will tell you, and I went at Shakari because she went at Allison and in doing so, perpetuated this idea that 
uh, Allison and American athletes are better than Jamaican athletes or worse. And this is where it got deep and my head wasn't here, but this is the conversation that's ongoing right. that oh, yeah. black Americans are different than Jamaican black people. And I was yeah. certain. I mean, like, no, 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 right. no, no. Whoa, there's no xenophobia here. But I, but again, I'm apologizing, Jason, because I understand. And like I told everybody on Twitter today, I replied to as many people as I could. I understand why it came off that way. And I regret that it came off that way. Because what I didn't know, I didn't know talking about putting your phone down. I didn't know she was out here uh, liking tweets comparing Shelly Ann Frazier price to Lil Wayne. Like right, I, I, t- I right. said yesterday, Michael, right? That the coconut tweet was completely out of pocket, but there is yeah. no right. world in which she should be insulting anybody like that. Right. But the Allison Felix one, last thing I'll say on this and I'll stop rambling. Allison Felix hit differently because it's Allison Felix being gracious when she didn't have to be on national television. And she's some, and she's an OG that's not even in her, you know, that she's not competing with her. I was I was at least looking at the other stuff as bravado as as competitive trash talking again can't cross a line but that's where I was coming from so just again to all my Jamaican brothers and sisters it is all love because but I didn't realize that I was perpetuating that so I understand why so many people were pissed and Michael like you telling me I told you so because I get it <laughs> well I want to I want to add to this I mean look we, we we talked about this last week when it comes to confessionals, right, there, there is no area that is in, in more constituted confessionals than, than, than political news. I mean, we talk about losers all the time. Why are we still talking about Trump, right? <laughs> so so, yeah, so right. you guys the ninth place person, you guys talk about the ninth place person is nothing compared to occasionally, occasionally uh, the, the press spending so much time on the guy, the twice impeached loser, as my colleague Nicole calls him, you know, who's, who's hanging out in Florida. So, you know, it, it happens. Sometimes we got to follow the story that the eyeballs go to, even if sort of yeah. our internal journalism yeah. meters, I don't really know if this is the story story. Exactly. So it happens. Exactly. So that, that's, a per, that's a perfect segue. Let's talk about the rightful president, uh, the one who actually did win the election, uh, Joe Biden. And I, I just put it in my feed. Should Joe Biden back down? Because he seems so insistent on saying, hey, I did, listen, I did the right thing. Oh, yeah, I did the right thing. And he's getting a lot of criticism. Do you think he should back down or do you think he should soften his stance a bit uh, on this Afghan on his Afghanistan decision? So I said this yesterday. I might have tweeted this to you guys, but I said this yesterday. I think a lot of the criticism about Afghanistan reminds me of, of, of this sort of scenario. It's like it's like an old TV show that everybody forgot about. Okay, and then they find out it's getting canceled, and suddenly everybody got an opinion on it. Oh my God, I can't! How are you taking this off the air? How, oh my God, blah, blah. you haven't watched this show in years. How you got an opinion? It ain't even the original cast anymore. That is essentially Afghanistan. <laughs> but, you know, like large numbers of people have not been paying attention to Afghanistan for years. They didn't even know that Hamid Karzai wasn't uh, wasn't the, the president of the country anymore. And now they want to take pot shots at Joe Biden and say, oh, I can't believe you're managing it this way, you're managing it that way. So I think a lot of the criticism of him is bad faith. Now, are there people who I have talked to and interviewed and said, hey, look, this problem has been going on for years. There have been people trying to get out of that country for years. I had a great guy who I spoke to who was like, look, the applications to get out of Afghanistan that have been available to people for four or five years, they're in English. Okay, if you were, you know, how are you supposed to be getting out of the country? You got to get this stuff done in paperwork and English. So, I, I I look at this as it is not Joe Biden's specific problem. I think a lot of the criticism of him 
about the Afghanistan in general is unfair. Uh, should the exodus be handled better? Of course it can. There is not a clean way to do it. But I'll also say this, and I connect this to how Joe Biden has handled police reform and how Joe Biden has handled the courts and how President Biden has handled voting rights. What Afghanistan shows is that when President Biden really wants to do something, he'll just do it. And we haven't seen that same kind of energy when it comes to voting rights. And we haven't seen that same kind of energy when it comes to police reform. So this is an example of where the president's priorities are and sometimes where they should be. Hmm. Um, let's lighten the mood, shall we? Uh, <laughs> Jason, one of the things I love about you, man, like, you know, you're another an extension of the show, practically a third brother from another uh, bro man from the fifth floor, basically, um, because you know, you tweet at the show all the time. So the other day oh, we yeah. were talking about top five Marvel movies randomly. You were just like, Damn, why y'all ain't had me on for this today? So right. without further ado, what you got? Let's go. I'm, I wanna I'm see I wanna see Jason Johnson. And like I said, if this now the embargo's off, I can tell y'all a little bit about Shang-Chi too. So number one on my list, Black Panther. This was tough because I don't think Black Panther is a flawless film, but I cannot think of any other Marvel movie. I can't really think of any other film except maybe Love and Basketball when I was in college that had as much of an impact on me as Black Panther. I, I this movie, it made me laugh, it, it, it made me think. I literally said, I think I told you guys this before, I saw Black Panther four times. Tiffany took me to, to my fourth time seeing that movie, right, here, here in DC. And literally, I sat in the theater uh, when the Kendrick Lamar song and everything comes on the end, I just sat in the theater, I was like, I don't even know what the heck I just saw. I'd never seen anything like it. Yeah. So that's number one. Number two, Captain America Winter Soldier probably one of the best action films of any variety ever Seriously. made throughout and it was it's really like, it's like hard. the born trilogy it's crazy yeah exactly yeah. it was really hard black panther yeah. or or uh, yeah. or, or, yeah. or this movie so then third one avengers endgame there is no movie i have seen in the last 30 years of my life that had a greater audience reaction than this falcon comes out and says on your left right when 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 captain america takes the hammer I mean, like, people were crying, they were laughing when Peter comes back. I mean, like, the, it, and, and it's meme-worthy. I mean, the whole battle has become a meme on Twitter. So Endgame has to be there. And I take Endgame over Infinity because Infinity sort of felt, it, it, it almost felt like uh, uh, Mockingjay, right? It felt like a Hunger Games. It's only really the first part. The real movie is Endgame. Spider-Man Far From Home, this was an amazing accomplishment because the original Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire I really loved. Spider-Man Far From Home is probably the most perfect Spider-Man movie I've ever seen. As somebody who collects Spider-Man comic books, and he was my favorite character for a very, very long time, it was perfect. Tom Holland was perfect. The action was amazing. The plot was amazing. It was a kid's movie, and the way that Spider-Man is supposed to be a kid's movie. So I'm absolutely love it. So I'm gonna get in right okay. here. I'm gonna get in right here, because okay. I'm good with everything. So people will often ask, what is the worst Marvel movie? And some oh, people will say that's Thor The Dark World. For me, no. and I love Iron Man because we're both genius playboy billionaire philanthropists, but Iron Man 3 was terrible. I couldn't stand <laughs> Iron Man 3. I could not stand. I, that, that is a shocker that you like 3 in your top and Listen, five. listen. I ain't like none of them. I ain't like none of the Iron Man movies. None of them. Oh, whoa, no, whoa, seriously. Whoa, whoa. I mean, like, none of them. None of them. This is, this like, is hey, They didn't. Go back. When's the last time you watched it? Didn't age oh, well. Go back Yesterday, and watch day before. I watch them all the time. Uh, yeah, I saw like less than a month ago. I wish I had more hands. Like every 50 minutes. <laughs> 
look. Okay, I real quick, because because we're running out of time. But but real quick on Iron Man three. Why Iron Man three in your top five of all the movies? Iron Man three. Why? Yes. And it was really tough. It was me, Iron Man three and the Avengers one because quite frankly, it is one of the best action movies. And what it shows is the creativity of these characters. When he saves people falling out of an airplane. There's misdirection. There's, you know, he, yeah, he flies cool. out of the suit. The suit gets hit. His relationship with the kid. I thought it was a great character film. And some Marvel movies, my worst okay. ones, are things like Doctor Strange and Ant-Man because there is no character. Iron Man 3 was an amazing <gasps> character study. Whoa! Oh, my God. That, he just oh, said Doctor Strange. Hey! Oh, my God. <laughs> hey! That's in my top five. Hey, what time is it? What time is it? You got to go. Hey, man, I know you up against the clock. You up Wait. against the clock. Roll the music. Wait. Oh man! Wait, no, 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 no! That's in my top five. We don't, we don't need to revisit Hollywood. Oh man! That's you hitting, you hitting Hollywood hurts. No, you hitting Hollywood hurts. Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange is such a well-written movie. It is a great movie. See, I. That's a good movie. And I'll tell you what. That's a good movie. I tell you why. I tell you why I like Infinity War over Endgame. I was listening to your explanation. I gotta hear this now, Jason. This sounds vulgar to me. Because you know what? Endgame. Tell hey Gary, tell Monica it, we'll be with her in a minute. Go ahead, go ahead. Endgame, this this is and I I I don't I don't dislike Endgame. I don't dislike it. I, I love Endgame. But if I had to criticize it, it is a hero movie that has the response that the audience expects. It's expected. Okay, here they come. They're gonna come up. Everybody's ganging up on Thanos. And, and 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 society and civilization has been saved. You know what about Infinity War? Infinity War is uncomfortable, but in Infinity War, that that has some realism to it. And it ain't always gonna turn out the way you want it to. The way you want well, it to. I, you know? Right. It's really well. It's, it's really one movie. It's really one movie split into two. I mean, it's hard sure. to separate the two. But okay. Having yeah. said all that, before all right. we go, before we go, and we got to go to break, so we got to really make this quick, Jason. Like we cannot have a conversation with you without figuring out whether or not you are in on this milk crate challenge. I need a take. I need a milk crate challenge shape before we go to break. Look, this thing is putting more brothers in the hospital than COVID, right? Like this is that level of danger. I read that off the tweet. I don't Here understand it what this is about. I've talked to my students about it. I'm like, where are y'all finding these crates? I don't understand any of it. I know. I haven't seen them in a while. I know. Did they take them from all the basketball courts? All of the TV Who's stands no longer have crates? Where are these crates? What the Canyon Records in? Ouch. Oh my God. Right there. That's the one. It's so, it that's, looks the so one. that's the rib dude. Not I call him Rib to Man. But look, I'm proud of the creativity hey. of it. If everybody wants to reenact Mario Brothers, go for it. It just don't make no sense to me. <laughs> my health oh care. That dude just fell on his right, back. Man. That dude fell on his back. That dude fell on his head. Oh, man. <laughs> yes. Golly. I mean, does it hurt as bad as it looks? He kicked the crates out from under the brother. That was the one I saw. I know. Like, where he got top we got to fight. It. Like, Yo, it's on site. Like, you ain't going to kick the crates out from under me. This is dangerous enough as it is. It makes no sense. All right, we got to go, man. Appreciate you, bro. We'll talk to you later. All right, man. All right, see y'all next week. All right, you know, Jason. You know how you know they say like it, it's not, it don't hurt as bad as it look. Like that, I, I have okay. a hard time believing it. That doesn't hurt as bad as it looks. I, I don't.
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Uh, Monica McNutt, I'm one of your uh, many social media followers, and I have yet to see you attempt the milk crate challenge. Um, <laughs> you know, are, are you? Are you? <laughs> I mean, you're I an athlete. I mean, that's that's light work for you. That is light work for I, you. No, 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 Smith. I'm an athlete, and therefore I respect falling and allowing 170 some odd pounds <laughs> to hit the earth. Mm-mm. No, no, not me. <laughs> I, I, what, you what, what do you, you think, though? Get I, I, yeah, I was going to say, Mike, we were trying to figure out with Jason Johnson, and I don't get it either. What, what's the uh, what's the appeal, you think, Monica, of the Milk Crib <laughs> Challenge? Because we, um, we, we don't get it. As someone who was mystified by the Olympics and took my talents to Instagram to do my best impersonations, Ooh. the Milk Crib <laughs> Challenge oh, definitely classifies as the Hood Olympics, Okay. And so I think it is the thought that, oh, that looks easy. I'm light on my feet. That's where everybody gets all messed up. You can be light as you want, but you're not lighter than them crates. And then you see a couple that are successful and we become further disillusioned and it's just all bad. <laughs> I mean, I, do you do you laugh? Do you wince? Is it both? Because I can't get enough of it. I'm not going to do it. But I can't get enough of it. Like every day, it's it's like a new. We take it to another level every <laughs> every single day. That's you know. What I'm I am I am a winster. When is it gonna run its course? <laughs> this man has got his smoke in his. Oh God! Oh God! Oh. I just. It's not even just the ground. It's catching the crates. Like these are grown adults that look like rag dolls. Y'all right. like this is. Oh God! Oh God! Oh. <laughs> I know. I'm telling you, a hood Olympics. No, I think sure. I, I think I get so it look, now. Um, I, get, I think I get it now. People people yeah. like to see they they do it for the video. They like to see falls, and, yeah, it, and even they if they're the ones the falling, they like to see it. They just like to see it the, the way it looks. I That's don't it. Like to fall Again, that where are all these crates coming from? Whose Listen. crates did they take that don't have TV stands anymore, or don't have or don't have uh, you know a basketball goal? Like whatever, the bottom, right. be open. Bottom, they over there using the crates yeah. to fall into. 
All right. I so guess. speaking of hoops, so Monica, you did a phenomenal job of uh, of covering the Olympics. I've been covering the Olympics for for NBC, and as you mentioned, you know, you really got into the spirit. Uh, you know, you mentioned that how, how you know we got a chance to see you live out your Olympic dreams on your right. IG. Can you can you kind of tell us about that? Tell us about what inspired you. Give us your story. Give us your backstory as a as a, as a, as a wannabe Olympian. I shouldn't be here. Right. <laughs> so, <I need> to... <laughs> okay. Uh... Wait, so, are you what? You're not even swimming. You... <laughs> you just splashing. That's not. <laughs> but they're Holly for real. So y'all know Siobhan uh, Henderson and APJ. She's the videographer here, yeah. and uh, her her. Uh, audio just makes it even better. The thing is, in my mind, before I left my hotel room and bugged her to come record this, I had a whole plan. Like, I can actually swim in real life. Like, I had a whole plan to hit this dance, do this, do that. Like, it was going to be a thing. And then I jumped in the water and realized that the body is heavy and I haven't swum, swam for real in a long time. <laughs> so this <laughs> was hilarious, but also very embarrassing, and I need to get back in shape. But my warm-up, I nailed the warm-up. But it was... The warm up is the best part. That's the best part. Yes, but at least you're in the pool in this one. Like I don't see any other guests. Like the thing that tripped me out was when you were in your hotel room causing all that ruckus. Like I mean, did did did, did the front desk call you? You know, when you were doing all these backflips and tumbles and you know balance beams and you know you know thinking you Simone Biles or somebody out there. Covering the Olympics is. You either love it or hate it. I loved it. But I was also a little bit delirious because we were in Stanford covering the international basketball, not U.S. Like the folks covering the U.S. got to go to Tokyo. But I had all the other games with Kay Scott, Fran Pachilla, our terrific producer, Phil Palatino. We had a blast. But we were on Tokyo time. And so I was a little bit delirious. And so I think that births, or at least it eliminates some of my inhibitions. And therefore, these things ended up on the Internet. And so I think they're relatable. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking no, of the Olympics, we didn't mind it. At speaking all. of the Olympics, this is this is great. Um, I know, I know for the men's team, there was some adversity at the beginning, and then by the end, they're talking trash on uh, on their videos. Hey, we told everybody we're still good. How about on the women's side? Were there any questions raised? Any questions answered on their way to yet another gold medal? There were no questions raised. The There was no question answered, but the statement continued. I mean, you talk about seven consecutive gold medals without contest. The closest game in pool, pay, pool play was Japan for the first half, and then France maybe for the first half, but Japan was a little bit more competitive. And in a weird way, Holly, Japan's performance as the host nation and surprising so many folks is also an ode to the women's Olympic team, the U.S. women's Olympic team, because in order for Japan to prepare, Rusha Brown, who's a terrific exec and former WNBA player and exec with the Los Angeles Sparks, there was a team of American women that went over to Japan to help the Japanese team prepare for the Olympics. And Nisha Curry was a part of that group as a coach. She's another former WNBA player that just joined the Portland Trailblazers staff um, out there with Chauncey Billups and those guys. And so there's no question about how dominant the U.S. women have been and continue to be. If you just look at 
the rosters on paper. No one had the size and the athleticism that Team USA had. Now, you add into that the skill sets of their bigs in Brittany Griner, Brianna Stewart, Asia Wilson, Sylvia Files, and then you talk about these prolific guards in Diana Taurasi and Sue Ward, who's now set the record for gold medals. I never, ever had any type of sweat or concern that the women would not come home with anything less than a gold medal. You know, it's funny. You mentioned a couple of people that I that I want to ask you about because, uh, you know, last Saturday, I'm watching the WNBA game, just happened to uh, stumble upon the Atlanta Dream and the Phoenix Mercury. So I'm watching the game, and I see Phoenix. Phoenix got Griner. Phoenix has Skylar Diggins-Smith. I mean, Phoenix has Diana Taurasi. I'm like, okay. So I just want to make sure. I said, Atlanta doesn't look very good. They're not good. Uh, Phoenix looks pretty good. Record, not so great. I know they've had some injuries. Tell me why I shouldn't just say, man, Phoenix should, like, Phoenix should have this. Why isn't Phoenix better? Why isn't the record better than the talent? The talent seems to be immense. Why isn't the record better? I think Phoenix has some injury issues the first half of the season, but I'm with you, Holly, in that I expect them to turn it on on the back half of the season. Dinah Rossi and Sue Bird, they love to say, you know, you don't ask a doctor when they're going to stop practicing based on their age. And while I understand that, we also know that father time is, in regards to athletes is very real. And so I actually honestly am expecting DT to go into GOAT mode and understand the urgency of the window of her career. The woman we're looking at right now, Skylar Diggins-Smith, an extreme competitor, won her gold medal, and it's also time for her now in her seventh year, might be eighth year, um, to kick it into high gear. And then, of course, Brittany Griner has the skill set and the ability that should put her into the MVP conversation, hands down. I know that that is a goal of hers in the WNBA. And so when you think of those three, it's easy to classify them as a big three. I think their biggest issue has been health for one, and they just kind of run into buzzsaws in terms of having to deal with Seattle's the Seattle Storm at inopportune times. This year, the Phoenix Suns were my personal dark horse, but as I look at the way things continue to shape up, Minnesota has surprised. Like, it's just not going to be an easy row. And for as talented as that big three has the potential to be, you've got other groups that are a little bit more established as a team in their time together and established in terms of what it means for them when they hit the playoffs. Um, staying in the WNBA, Monica, I'm pretty sure you and countless other fans uh, will be online tomorrow at about, I think, 2 Eastern when uh, Top Shot drops some uh, WNBA collectibles, uh, some, some moments. Uh, I still haven't quite figured out how to get in on that. I, I was fascinated with it at first, and they kept kicking me out, so I never really started my collection. But, but I'm wondering, A, is there some added significance uh, mm -hmm. to Top Shot rolling out WNBA moments in terms of collectors who mm -hmm. may be drawn and brought into the WNBA that maybe otherwise wouldn't have. Am I, is that a stretch or is this a, is this a big deal? No, I don't think it's a stretch. I think it is an important deal. Um, it is part of and I've, you guys have heard me say this. In order for the WNBA to continue to grow, it has to become a part of the sports lexicon for the average sports fan. And so Top Shot is a way that the entire, an entire generation is now consuming the game. All right, so it's sports, boom. Like, right. it just makes sense to have NBA and WNBA uh, 
uh, moments, I guess, on that thing. I I'm with you, uh, Smith. I don't really know. Roz Golden Luda, y'all should have her on. She's into all of those things. I don't really get it. But right. when we continue <laughs> to talk about equality and the way that we cover and talk about sports, if there's a dude version, there should be a women's version. Like, it's pretty simple, I think. Um, and so I think Top Shot is an exciting way to branch out. But it, to me, it, it also becomes an extension of Candace Parker being on the cover of the latest video game. I think it's 2K. I don't play video games. Either. Yeah, yeah. This becoming normalized is a part of the growth. And I think the way that the Top Shot rollout aligns with year 25, which has been a tremendous celebration across the league for all of its teams, is really cool. Yeah, I think, and I think year 25, by the way, like, like the championship, you just referenced a couple of minutes ago. There's going to be something. There's going to be something we don't expect. I mean, you know, you just got, you've got the game at, just artistically, the game is at its highest level, in my opinion. Like it, women's basketball has never been uh, better than it is right now. And then you got some teams, you already mentioned it, Minnesota, Phoenix, uh, Seattle, where you just don't know. You just don't know what's going to happen. So I look forward to that. If you had to call it, though, if you had to call it, not that I'm betting on this, <laughs> but if you had to call a champion right now, who would you say? Who wins? You know, it? it's, it's a tall task to knock off Seattle. Like, I'm actually calling the Connecticut Sun game tonight. They play the Los Angeles Sparks. The Connecticut Sun are formidable. They're very good. Best defensive team in the league. John Cole Jones might be the MVP. Elena Deladon being back on the floor for the Washington Mystics alongside Tina Charles, who's also putting together an MVP candidate type of year. Woo, that could be a beast. Chicago, if they're healthy and Candace Parker has this rejuvenated level of focus being at home, they're absolutely formidable. But again, those top three, and then Minnesota, we throw them in there, and what Lasia Clarendon has been able to do for them, and Cheryl Reeve is no stranger to winning basketball at all. But of all the competitors, the team that's been together, tried and true to this, not new to this, had the same unit, continues to be the Seattle Storm. And so I think it's going to be a tall task for somebody to knock off the Storm again, or this year. Wait, wait, hold on, dog. Back up. You 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 going to Mohegan Sun? You down the street going to Mohegan Sun for this game? Yeah, I went. I had gone up to Mystic earlier today. I was looking for a juice bar. It was really cute, little river, little vibe, or river lake. I don't know what it was. Oh, that's what we're doing now. You coming? You coming? You coming to Connecticut? Okay, it's cool. See, no problem. Understood. Okay. All right. I'll work on that next trip. I'll be back. Now I know where I stand. <laughs> Now I know where I stand. Now I know where I stand. And then invite me to be like, yo, you want to oh, come through? That's okay. Um, let's move on. You do the same thing. You do the same thing, Mike. You be all you know, over the to place. To you. Don't I wouldn't do nobody. that to Monica. To you. No, 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 no. It ain't, ain't me. I know you do. I expect, so, I expect it to happen to me, but I know you do it to other people too. That's what I'm just trying to say. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, We're going to move you. on, though. Speak, speaking of a team that's going to be hard to knock off, uh, big news uh, in college basketball. So Imani Bates. Uh, committing to, to Memphis, joining, I, I think, is that a half dozen top 150 that they now have on that roster with, with Penny, uh, obviously Penny's head coach. They got Rasheed Wallace as an assistant coach, Larry Brown's assistant coach. Uh, but, you know, can you speak to the significance of Imani Bates' decision uh, and just how, just what, what, what um, Anthony Hardaway, what Penny Hardaway is building uh, at Memphis? I mean, a lot of people thought Imani was going to end up going to the G League, I believe. You know, he had a lot of options, of course, and, and, and decommitted from Michigan State. But, I mean, they, they, he looked, they're building something, if nothing else, interesting, if not formidable. Uh, a lot of people got him in the Final Four with this kind of talent. 
or is that's the expectation uh, in Memphis? Um, all right, there's two things at play here. Obviously, you can't talk about this without talking about the NIL, right? It, what was once a money-making opportunity in terms of the G right. League is now rivaled. Y'all got me? Yeah, um, yep, gotcha. What was once rivaled by just the G League in terms of being able to place pay some of these young guys, you now have the NIL. So I think that's a huge part of this, and we will be naive to act like it isn't. What I think will be particularly unique moving forward is the coaches. Hardaway is a guy whose career as a pro athlete, we celebrate, we remember, I got it, commercial sneakers, the whole bit. And so wherever you stand on the ball family, uh, Tyler Tynes, uh, Tyler Tynes Jr., who I know is a great friend of this show, his article with GQ and GQ. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Talking to LaMelo Ball, to me, speaks to where... A lot more kids may be in this era where he was quite candid that he was never even remotely interested in school, right? I don't know if Imani Bates or some of his peers are that blatant with it, but the specialization part of this is especially real, probably even more real with the money that they now stand to make even at the high school level. And so I will be curious to see what staffs or head coaches or universities decide to put former NBA guys in big-time positions as a incentive to say, not only is this person a great basketball person at this level, but they can help lay out the blueprint in terms of you getting to the next level. So mm-hmm. the game continues to change with um, all these things. I think it's great that these young people have access um, to their own name, image, and likeness. I do hope that the relationships that they need to make wise decisions and use discernment are also established there because we all know how enamoring the green can be. That's Man, right. I missed about I missed about 75% of that moniker because my IFB went out. So I think <laughs> but I'm gonna watch that back on YouTube because I know it was a brilliant answer. So I'm like, I'm no, like, great. I'm like great yeah, whatever she said was good. Okay, good. I'm watching you know, that back I, on it, YouTube it, it, on social media. Or something. I heard it. You didn't hear it. You didn't hear it because your IFB went out. My IFB is good. I heard it. And another reason I heard it, Monica, I'll say this before you go. A great job upgrading to the hotels, like to, uh, upper tier uh, wireless. Wi-Fi. You know, yeah. Hey, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. that Wi-Fi. You got the good Wi-Fi. You got that yeah. good one. You weren't you weren't like trying to take it off. You ain't trying to like uh, take it off your neighbors. You actually got, you know, a little higher, you know, paid an extra $4 and got the good stuff. It's my, well um, it's my Olympic yeah. paycheck. I can afford these things now. <laughs> <laughs> Monica McNeil. Hey, thank you. Seriously, from, from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you. You are everywhere doing big things. Uh, no, a household name these days. Uh, appreciate, you. appreciate you taking the time to bless our show. Thank you. Appreciate it's you. always a pleasure to come kick it with y'all. It's a good time. <laughs> All right, right, Monica, take care. Chris, all the Broncos fans who watch our show have been waiting with bated breath to hear your response 
to my question of how good this Denver Broncos team can be with Bridgewater under center. Yeah, definitely. I mean, good question. First off, I think the Broncos, you know, there's always that list of teams, right? Every year that last year didn't make the playoffs. This year, they're playoff teams. Hey, I expect like the Patriots, the 49ers, and the Dolphins to be legit playoff contenders. In fact, I'd be shocked if they're not in the playoffs. But then there's those like, what are those three under the radar teams or the under the radar teams in general? Hey, the Chargers, they jump out to me. The Panthers, the Carolina Panthers, I think they're going to jump out on the scene this year. And the Denver Broncos would be that other team uh, that I would throw in the mix there too. You know, you kind of talked about it. First off, the offense is, it's, it's legit. The talent, they finally got the offensive line figured out. You talked about the running backs. I'm with you. Javante Williams is the real deal. When you go through the receiving core, what? I mean, it's up there with anybody in football with a healthy Cortland Sutton. Sutton, uh, if he's back in there, Sutton, excuse me, you know, him to go with KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy. And then let's not forget Noah Fant's really damn good at tight end too in the past game. But the defense is where it is questioned. You know, we know Vic Fangio's awesome. We do know that. They got, you know, Kyle Fuller from the Bears, Ronald Darby. I think the secondary would be improved. You got Chubb and Von Miller on the edge. Looks like they're going to be 100% go healthy. The question on the defense is the defensive tackles, maybe. The interior part of the defense is the one thing you got to look at. But I, I, I would be shocked if they're not in the mix of things. And, hey, I, I'm, I'm one that early on in training camp, I always thought, man, Drew Locke is the guy that can maximize all that weaponry they got on the offensive side of the ball. He mm-hmm. does have real talent. But at the same time, you know, Vic Fangio's a defensive coach. We know they're always conservative a little bit. They're always a little bit, I want a quarterback that doesn't screw the game up. I'm sure he's a little bit burned from what he saw from Drew Locke last year a few times, just going, what the hell? Why are you throwing that ball there? There's a mosh pit of guys, and that's an interception. So that's probably still in the back of his mind. You know, and then when you talk about George Payton, the new GM, was in Minnesota with Teddy Bridgewater when he drafted him. You know, as yeah. we went through training camp here, I started to go, eh, and some of the comments that came out of Fangio's mouth, especially after last week's game when he talked about moving in the pocket like Brady and doing that, I went, oh, Teddy's got the lead. They're going to name Teddy the starter. So I completely understand it. Hey, Teddy knows how to play ball, you know, and if you want to get your team off to a good start, I understand them going with the guy who's been there, done that, knows how to take care of the football over the guy that, yeah, might have more talent, but he might put you in some compromising positions early in the year and you don't get off to a good start. So uh, they got a good situation there. And if Teddy fails, Drew Locke, hopefully he'll be ready to go and can show us all the improvements that he's made because he did have a real good preseason. Yeah. Yeah. One way or the other, he'll get an opportunity. Yeah, you know, uh, bro- brother Sims, I can't wait to talk to you about this topic. I am obsessed with young quarterbacks, first-year quarterbacks, and based on the draft, uh, so is the league. One third of those guys going to top fifteen. Uh, One third of the top fifteen is quarterbacks. Is a better way of saying it. So, I- I'm wondering, like, as someone who observes the sport and really knows that position and played that position, if we had, because I've gone back and forth with Michael Smith on this on young quarterbacks and when's the, when's the right time to play them? When's the right time to let them sit behind somebody who's a veteran so they can learn? If you had to just break it down, there's something that all of these guys have in common, young quarterbacks and their adjustment from college to the pros. What is that big thing that maybe they don't realize until they start? 
in the pros. Well, yeah, it's just just how much more intense the game is in the NFL level. You know, just the, the little room for error. In college football, you could be like, oh, well, yeah, I had a bad series. I had a bad few plays. Like, no, this is the NFL. You have a bad series or a bad few plays, you might be done, period. Out of the game, down by 20 points, who knows what happens. So, you know, I think... You know, always the biggest adjustment, or at least the one I found, and I've talked to other quarterbacks about this too. You know, I am one that always goes, get these guys out there, get them playing. You know, practice is great and everything like that. But as you know, you don't get hit in practice. So you can pat the ball one extra time and throw the ball 30 yards down the field. But yeah, that was a good play. When in reality, you're like, man, you would have got blindsided and might got strip sack fumbled there. Come on. And there is a difference in the NFL as far as how close, the, uh, how quickly the pocket closes. And of course, when you get to the regular season as compared to the preseason, defenses start to really expand their inventory as far as the different defenses they call, the disguises, everything like that. So, you know, college football, great. Yeah, it's like fifth grade math. It's pretty good. Okay, I got to figure it out. But then you get to the NFL and you start playing defenses like the Ravens and the Chiefs and Tyrone Matthews over here and then he drops out over there. It's like advanced geometry. And that's where it's just a grind week to week mentally and physically because nobody's going to school. There's no 20 hour rule. Like it's, it's a grown man sport and everybody is on their details on a day to day basis. You know who else knows what you just said? Bill Belichick. And that dovetails into the Cam Mac Jones competition uh, that Michael and I have planted our flags on opposite sides of this. Um, I'll just ask, you know, what, if anything, do you read into Cam returning to practice today and reassuming his position as the number one quarterback? Because what I've been saying to Michael, while you know, Mac Jones may look fantastic to our eyes in preseason, in practice or in games. Um, it, it doesn't seem like Bill Belichick shares in that evaluation that Mac Jones should be his QB one. Yeah, no, well, you know, we all know how New England is, right? I mean, they're reluctant to throw rookies out there in any position, let alone quarterback. So I think there is like, uh, yeah, a, a little bit of trepidation there before we do that. You know, again, I think it goes back to a little bit what we were just talking about. The first question, Bill Belichick realizes like, yeah, preseason training camp's all good. Regular season, different animal. You know, all the starters are out there. The, the defensive playbook expands. We start to throw more on you as a quarterback and you got to learn more in our playbook and do those things. So I, listen, I'm shocked that they've either entertained the conversation of competition to a degree. That tells you how good Mac Jones is doing. And in fact, Belichick, I think today, made a, made a uh, answer to a question from the media after practice and said there's no timetable on the decision. Mm. I mean, I'm shocked that he's right. even acknowledging there's a decision to be made, really. I mean, that's just the way they are up there. And honestly, after the way Cam played last week, and, you know, Mac Jones played awesome, too. But when Cam got done with that game, I just went, it's over. He's the man. He's the starter. He's got it. And now all this COVID yeah, crap happens. That's going to yeah. make New England think and then Mac about, Jones goes you know, crazy. can we depend on him all the time? Mac Jones goes off to practice yesterday, and everybody's like, it's over. Exactly. He's the quarterback. <laughs> the opposite direction. I, I know. I know. And I don't well, think it's quite there yet, but I do think he opened the door for Mac Jones with this whole thing, again, to just impress everybody. And that's what he did. So... 
I guess I'm still leaning Cam, but like where I said it was 80-20 yeah. maybe a week ago, Cam, Mac Jones. Now I feel like yeah. it's like 55-45 Cam. Well, you just said something, and I'll, I'll pose this question to both of you. Um, just a continuation of the conversation you and I were having earlier, Michael, because you just said something that, you know how you, you hear and see what you want to see? Again, that confirmation bias to talk about. So Cam comes back today, and he's QB1. He's taking reps again. I'm like, see? You know what? It, it, nothing, nothing changed. But the fact that Belichick, and maybe maybe this was just him with the media, but he had, had no hesitation before about saying Cam's our starter, and somebody's got to play better than him to, to, to win the job. No hesitation, right? You just right. pointed something out right. that after the practice today, he then says there's no timetable on the decision, therefore acknowledging that there's a decision to be made. And so is that right. more telling than who took the first team reps today? I, Chris, then Michael. I think you, it you, says you something for sure. Michael. I mean, I know Michael Holly. Yeah, yeah, I know he knows Belichick and his ways too. But that, yeah, that's why I brought it up. I just thought, you know, damn, that was kind of a signal there. And I don't know if he, that was a slip of tongue, but either way, like you said, he's been pretty steadfast on Cam's a starter and you got to beat him out. And now today it was, there's no timetable on the decision, which he's acknowledging, damn, now there's a decision to be made. I still expect it to be Cam. I do. Uh, but even if it is Cam, I think he'll be on a very short leash early on in the year. And if it doesn't go well, I don't think they're going to be scared to throw Mac Jones yeah. out there one bit. Yeah, I can see that. What he said, what Chris Sims just said. I think I think he's in a position also where he's receiving some information that doesn't necessarily uh, is, is not consistent with what he feels. In other words, listen to different opinions, and he does that. You know, Belichick, as you know, Chris Belichick likes um, differing opinions as long as you've done the work. Show your work. It's like you know, back to math, your math mm -hmm. analogy, Chris. Mm -hmm. Show your work. So how'd you come up with that? Don't just throw it out there. Uh, tell me what your process is. All right, I'll consider it. Uh, I, I respect that you've got a little system here. You got a method to what you're saying. But I want to ask you something else, Chris. And this is off of what happened with Cam Newton, but it's a larger league issue. How would you handle? How do you think the best coaches uh, should handle this situation? Cam Newton clearly is not vaccinated. That's why he had to go through the protocols that he went through. If you look at what the rules are and what he had to do, he's not a vaccinated player. And, and that wasn't really a secret, but now it's an open secret. How would you handle it uh, as, as a coach in this situation where coach can't tell you, you must, you can't mandate a vaccine, but a vaccine makes it easier for us to do our business. Uh, how do you think the best coaches should handle these situations? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I think, you know, first off, I heard you guys talking earlier, and you know where, like, I know, Michael Smith, you were saying you think uh, Belichick let Cam off, off the hook, right? By kind of saying, um, you know, he didn't break team rules. I think that's what you were talking about. Maybe I was wrong. I, I kind of cut into it late. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, you, maybe I'm wrong either way. I know he, may, he said he didn't break yeah. team rules. Yeah, technically he didn't break team rules. He broke the damn NFL rules. But back to, like, <laughs> you, Michael Holly. And what you're saying there, I think if I'm a head coach or even a quarterback of the team, I'm, I'm not, again, trying to force people to get the vaccine, but I'm trying to explain to them the competitive disadvantage we'll be at. And that, hey, this is about team and camaraderie and coming together. And we got to be able to depend on each other. And there's people, lives, livelihoods here at stake, our coaches, other guys on the team, things like that. We got to be at our best. Listen, I, I was a little hesitant with the vaccine myself. 
But damn, I want to be on the field for Tampa Dallas when NBC's down there. So I'm going to do that. I don't want to get anybody else sick uh, or in the hospital. And I think that's the thing that I would kind of try to preach. You know, yeah, you're not going to make grown men change their mind or not, not, not force the decision. But maybe you can continue to point out how important it is to get it. Not only, I think, for society, but also just for the team itself to be at its very best. And, and not be at a competitive disadvantage and maybe not lose eight guys to COVID protocol all of a sudden on a Thursday or Friday afternoon and go, damn, this was a big game this week. And now we're missing seven starters and it doesn't look good. It doesn't look like we can win this game. Hey, man. Uh, you down with that? You okay with that answer, point, Michael Holly? I, I, I love that answer. <laughs> I love that. I'm sitting there. Yeah. I'm sitting there. Nah, you didn't see me. I'm nodding. I, I'm giving, yeah. I'm, I gave you some amens on that. A few it, of them. Uh, Great answer. It, it didn't look good for us at one point, we, but we powered through those technical difficulties and uh, we had our usual insightful conversation with Chris Sims. We know it's your Friday, man. Uh, so we appreciate you taking the time as always every week. And we will talk to you next week. All right, be good. You the man. Be good. Have, be good. Always good being with you. Big Friday night for me tonight, baby. Hey, and Holly, I those Red you. Sox, how'd they do last weekend? How'd they do last weekend, those Red Sox? They didn't do so well. Hey, listen, I don't know if you believe in jinxes or not, but hey, the Yankees have won 11 in a row. They can't lose. The Yankees can't lose 11 games in a row. They're amazing. They play tonight. They play the A's tonight. We'll see how that turns out. But they can't lose, man. I'll be watching. (laughs) 11 straight. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. There, there's league rules and there's my rules. They ain't going anywhere. We're going the same as last year. I don't give a, I don't give a crap if they're vaccinated or not. They ain't going anywhere. So uh, earlier today, the NFL issued fourteen thousand six hundred fifty dollars fines to some twenty five players for failing to wear their masks or tracking devices, violations of COVID-19 protocols. Um, so first, Isaiah McKenzie, um, he tweeted, they got me, you win NFL. Uh, and then Cole Beasley, of course, chimed in. Um, those players have been in close contact with each other, those 25 players um, that failed to wear their mask or their tracking devices, um, excuse me, used to determine which players have been in close contact. Um, They've also given 120 players warnings that they were observed in violation of the league's COVID-19 rules and subject and are subject to fines in the future. Players can face uh, increasing discipline for repeat violations, including a four game unpaid suspension. So here's where it got really interesting. All right. Cole Beasley um, says (laughs) uh, I wore a mask that whole day, but got fined because I didn't have it in from Entry door to the locker room, which is literally five steps. And he has yeah. replied to Isaiah yeah. McKenzie, who's 
email that he posted from the NFL. I'm going to read that in full later. Yeah, but Cole Beasley said, don't worry. They got me too, but I was wearing a mask when I was in close contact with a fully vaxxed trainer who tested positive and still got sent home. So what's the point of the mask anyways? Meanwhile, I'm still here tested negative and can't come back. Make it make sense. Cole Beasley is the walking, talking, tweeting epitome of the face palm emoji. Um, I know what. Well, yeah, yeah. That, that's why I just did. I want to get it. That's why I just did it. Look. Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, I want to get ahead, into that ahead, email, go but go ahead, go ahead, Mike. No, 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 no. You go ahead. No, no yeah. email's long. Go ahead. We, we, okay. Go ahead. This is this is it's, it's very simple. Like I, this is this is what's so frustrating to me. Uh, and I've, I've I told you I've gotten over the frustration of of people who are who who will throw around misinformation, uh, disinformation, whatever you want to call it about the vaccine, and uh, who who refuse to get it. Okay, I'm over that. It just let me know, like if if we are in business with one another, or if, if some reason uh, we're going out to dinner together, or we're going to be hanging out side by side, because I don't play in the NFL. Just let me know, then I'll make my own decision. But you go ahead and do your thing. I am over the finger wagging. Um, I'm, I've taken a leave uh, this semester from teaching, so I am not di- giving a lecture series uh, for the rest of the fall. But what I can't stand. What I can't stand is people like Cole Beasley, okay, who is a talented professional football player who acts like he's a scientist. Okay, Cole, (laughs) you've got people who will answer those questions. You ain't got to go on Twitter and get all, you ain't got to crowdsource here. NFL teams, NFL teams have sent people to every facility several times, some teams multiple times. Some people, some teams have doctors on site who will answer your questions. Cole Beasley acts like there aren't people who can answer his questions. And I and I get the feeling I get the feeling. I don't know. But go ahead. I'm gonna talk to that point in a minute. But go ahead. I don't know Cole. I don't know you. Mm -hmm. But just the way you come off on social media, you seem to be the kind of person who has information available to you, but you won't listen to what they have to say. They'll answer those questions. Yeah. Like there's somebody who can answer that question you put out there on Twitter and answer it scientifically, medically sound, and you and you can go to bed and you can rest easily. But I get the feeling you don't want to hear it. He has well, that been wasn't even on a this scientific campaign. question. That that wasn't even, I mean, that wasn't even a scientific point he made though. Like don't give him too much credit. He said I was around somebody who is fully vaxxed and tested positive and was sent home. What's the purpose of the mask? Hey, dumbass. You were around somebody who had the uh, who had COVID. Like where you like the mask has been scientifically proven to help with the mitigate the spread of COVID. And the vaccine and here I am tested negative. The effects of COVID. Yeah, okay, you're right. tested negative for now. But but okay, but wait. I said he was a walking, talking, tweeting facepalm emoji. He's also champ kind from Anchorman. Remember when Ron Burgundy was like, hey, champ, I think you just need to sit, sit the next couple of plays out. Like, he needs to sit the next couple right. of plays out. Because I keep saying, I don't understand how people who put their bodies on the line, okay, this is where, again, religion and politics come in, how people who put their bodies on the line and, and, and stress availability for a living, okay, toughest people walking the planet for crying out loud, are reluctant to take medication, a vaccine, 
when they've spent most of their lives injecting who knows what in their body so they can play, take a vaccine so they can be available for their teammates. Blows my mind, right? Blows my mind, that dichotomy. But more than that, forget about your opinion about vaccines, all right? Forget about, you know, what Cole Beasley thinks. Forget about his personal freedoms that are being imposed upon and, and, and my body, my choice. Okay, forget about all of that. At a certain point, you're just being dumb. And I don't know what Cole Beasley makes, but I know that as Stefan Diggs tweeted, $15,000 is a lot of money. Stefan Diggs makes a lot of money. You know who doesn't make a lot of money, relatively speaking, is Isaiah McKenzie. Let me go ahead to this email, okay? And I'm going to take my time reading this because, see, people already dug in on their stances, okay, on tw- on, especially on Twitter. They're dug in on their positions on this thing. And they see the news, you know, they see the news and they're like, oh, ah, Damn it! This just confirms what I, this is. This is a, this is this is about punishment. This is not about uh, protection. This is about control. They just want to. They always want to force the vaccine down your throat. Okay, oh, all right. Boy. Nonetheless, yeah. Nonetheless, this is this is this, this is where common sense comes in. This is what this dear Isaiah. Okay, bear with me, Michael. On August 25th, 2021, at approximately 2:15 p.m., while walking through the indoor field house and into the training room, you failed to wear a mask. Then, at approximately 4:35 p.m. On August 25th, for several minutes, you again failed to wear a mask in, a meet, in the meeting area of the weight room while gathered near other players after an, uh, the offensive meeting. They got tracking devices, they got cameras, they see everything, okay? Right. Here's where it gets really good. Your refusal to wear a mask occurred after you were informed that it was required for unvaccinated players as set forth in your 2021 club discipline schedule and as reiterated by signage throughout the club facility stating that unvaccinated players may be subject to fines, discipline, or discipline for failing to wear a mask. Your refusal to wear a mask also occurred shortly after league staff gave a presentation on August 25th regarding the NFL, NFL, PA, COVID-19 protocols, including the mask wearing requirement and that unvaccinated players are subject to fines or discipline for refusal to wear a mask. In addition, make it make sense. by letter dated make it July 27, 2021, you received a written warning for refusing to wear a mask and were specifically advised that future violations of the protocol will result in increased discipline, including for conduct detrimental. Still, as noted above, you again refused to wear a mask at the club facility. So you just want to give your money away, Michael. Once upon a time, I think we were talking about. I think we were talking about. Um, we were talking about Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving, and I remember how frustrated you were at Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Regardless of how much yeah. other money he has, forfeiting right. money for not just give it away. You know, dealing with the media right. as set forth by you know yeah. the NBA. This is not about the vaccine at this point, because if you're taking COVID seriously, see, I'm vaccinated and I still mask up when I go. Because I know it doesn't prevent you from catching or transmitting COVID. That's right. So absolutely, this is not about right. oh I don't want the vaccine. This is about I just don't care about COVID. Because if you're not going to be vaccinated, the least you could do, both for the sake of your teammates and for your own pocket, Isaiah McKenzie, is to wear a mask. So this is you don't you just don't care. So just tell me you don't care about COVID without telling me you don't care about COVID. Like it's just it's it's not an, it, whether it's the actual disease or how it can wreck your entire organization. Look at the Tennessee Titans right now, what they're dealing with. Sean McDermott even said today, Sean McDermott was he, he literally said he is frustrated 
by the low vaccination rate. It's tough. It's frustrating. It's challenging. However you want to say it, but I can't make the decision for them. These people give life and limb and will give anything to win a Super Bowl. You have Josh Allen at quarterback. He's a whole nother conversation. He's you know, but nonetheless, you you have a window of opportunity, a finite window of opportunity to play this game and succeed at this game. This is what Michael Irvin was talking about. And you don't want to not only will right. you not take a vaccine, but you won't wear a mask after right, you've right, been right, warned exactly. and there's been a presentation right. the same I told you. That's day I told you. about what's required That's what I'm of talking you. About. That's what I'm talking oh about God. with Cole Beasley. That's what I'm talking about with Cole Beasley. And see, Mike, it's that it's it's not even it's not even COVID. I just want to make it clear. Like this is where I really struggle. Man, I'm serious, man. I'm I'm not even joking, man. I pray on this kind of stuff because this is a real problem for me. And I need to I need to become more flexible. And I need to be more loving, honestly. When dealing with this type of personality, you see this personality type that drives me crazy, and I'm trying, and I'm better than I used to be on it. I'm not where I need to be. Okay, I'm in progress. Uh, th- this program uh, is in progress. So it, 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 here's the personality type I'm talking about. Mike, you live in Connecticut. How long have you lived in Connecticut? Uh, Roughly 2008. So uh, what is that? Okay, so you lived in Connecticut about 13 years. You lived in Connecticut for 13 years. It's this kind of personality type. So I ask you, hey, Michael Smith, um, I've been tweeting about this. I'm like, hey, what the hell? What the hell is it like to live in Connecticut? I I always tweet about it. Then I ask you, what is it? I've never lived there. I ask you what it's like to live in Connecticut because you've lived there for 13 years. You tell me all about it. And then I go out and tweet, make it make sense to me. What's it like to live in Connecticut? That's not what it's like. Wait a minute. I done told you, dog. I've told you. I've told you. I'm an expert on this. I've I've had doctors come in and tell you. I've had people who've experienced it. I've given you scientific evidence. I've I've given you anecdotal evidence. I've showed you pictures. And you still don't get it because you don't want to. Because you've got an argumentative personality even when... You are presented with the truth, undisputed, unfiltered truth, and you won't accept it. That's who Cole Beasley is. That's how he's acting COVID, with COVID. I don't know if he's like that in other aspects of his life, but that's exactly what he's doing. Every NFL team has had something that people that you know would love to have. That is access to professionals, to experts who have devoted to their lives to medicine, who can tell you, What's happening? <laughs> they can they can break down. They can break down what COVID nineteen is. But, they can break down what the Delta variant is. They can tell you all of these things, Mike, and yet these Mike, guys don't but listen. We tell them, but we, but wait, but when we tell them how to play football, what do we get told? What do we get told? You ain't never played. You never it? played again. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking right. about. <laughs> you know, I, yo, you're an expert. You don't know what you're talking about. Look, man. I, and, right. and and but we're not. But we're not experts. But we're not. And so great. That's fair. You're being told by us about football, something that you know, we don't know. But you're asking, you're ranting about a virus that you don't know. And you're asking the experts to explain it. They explain it and you still don't believe. Look, and and remember that uh, I can't remember. It was a Chappelle bit on the Chappelle show. 
and you you'll remember because you got you got all the episodes committed to memory. Where was the one that's like, hey man, you know the ingredients of ice cream? What's the capital of Oregon? I bet you don't know all that. You remember that whole episode of that, that whole riff about things that you don't know? Well, the point is uh-huh. we're talking, we, we spend so much time talking about, hey, the vaccine is this, the vaccine is that. But the same people who do that, some of them will go and take Tylenol, they'll take Advil, uh, they'll take Maalox, they'll take Rolaids, they'll do oh. all this stuff. You don't know about it. You don't know what's in it. Wait, but wait, you but there's Chappelle. something that could potentially Rock, save you your saw, life. Chris Rock had Chris Rock had he said that same thing. He was like, you know, I don't know what's in Tylenol. I got a headache. I take it. He's like, I don't know what's in a Big Mac. I just know it's delicious. You know, what I mean? so look, right. man, I mean, and just to continue and wrap this up, uh, you know, Sean McDermott. There's people's livelihoods at stake in terms of people's jobs. Being able to count on people is important. So when you're going through a week, if this were a real week, and having the players out that we've had, that makes it harder to win games that way. Again, we didn't even get into the um, we didn't even we, we kind of did, but we didn't get into so much the, uh, the the unvaccinated status of Cam Newton in our conversation about him this week. We talked more about what it meant for the job as it relates to Mac Jones, right? But you know, again, Cam Newton and not understanding the protocols that was avoidable. At least it's being characterized as a misunderstanding, even if it's one he should not have misunderstood. This is blatant defiance. And look, I, I'm better than that. I, I called Cole Beasley a name earlier. Uh, I what was unnecessary, but and there's no excuse for it. But that's just how you talk about trying to get better with understanding these people um, as they as their personal freedoms impose on the rest of our lives. That's just how frustrated I am. So again, apologies to Cole Beasley, um, but this is just so frustrating that somebody would say, "What's the point of masks at this point wow. in this pandemic?" To ask, well, "What's on. the point of masks?" Come on, it, ask the doctor that. Yeah, ask the doctor. Ask yeah. the, the Buffalo Bills could ha- have that answer. Could have that answer to you, spoken and written. Yeah. And probably in a great presentation, if you ask right now, uh, Buffalo's on the East Coast, 450 on the East Coast, you could have it by 6 p.m. I mean, come on. Hey, like, um, the, the answers are we, there. We he doesn't want to, he doesn't like the answers, but they're there. No. Well, and neither one of them seem to be taking it seriously enough, at least the way it seems on the surface. So, hey, we'll, we'll take one more break, but not now, because I know Arians, you said to me uh, when Arians was talking that it reminded you of another point you wanted to make. Um, Arians, the quarterback whisperer. Uh, yeah. Okay. You, you want me to go there now, or you want to, you want to take a break and then we'll talk yeah, about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, you can go there now, and we'll take and then we'll take the break after. We'll take the break afterward. I, no, you know, I just want I want to point out that uh, you know it's just you know Teddy Bridgewater, the Ted, Teddy Bridgewater Drew Locke competition hit you in one way based on the way Drew Locke responded, and I agree with you in a, in a very admirable mm-hmm. way, and it just stood out to me that Teddy Bridgewater named quarterback starting quarterback of the Denver Broncos. This is a I don't know if you realize this is the fifth team fifth team that Teddy Bridgewater has been on uh, in his seven year career. And a black quarterback starting for a team is not a story in 2021. And it's just it's amazing to me 
the path that we've taken to get here and how quickly this happened. Now for a long people, for a lot of people, it felt like a long time. It wasn't quick at all. This is a long, painful road for those who are playing quarterback in the pros, limited amounts in the pros and in college football, in the 1960s and 1970s. Okay, just think about this, Mike. Just, just think about this. In the 1980s, the 1980s, do you know how many quarterbacks, how many black quarterbacks were taken in the first round? In the 1980s, uh, the the entire decade? No, off the top of my head, no. Zero. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Zero. There was not a single black quarterback draft. Like, like, you are you're in 2021. That doesn't even compute for you. You can't even reconcile that. Like, what? So forget about number one overall, Kyler Murray. Forget about, oh, this might be a stretch in the first round, E.J. Manuel at number 16. Forget about last pick of the first round, Lamar Jackson. In the 1980s, the entire 1980s, no black quarterbacks were drafted in the first round. The year of the quarterback, 1983, Dan Marino, Jim Kelly, all the Hall of Famers, right? Ain't no black quarterbacks taken. In 1991, I believe there were two starting black quarterbacks, one in each conference, uh, Warren Moon and Randall Cunningham off the top of my head two, in 1991. Now think about where we are mm-hmm. now, Mike. Mm-hmm. Teddy Bridgewater oh, uh, in Denver. Not even, uh, Pat, not even a thought. I mean, it's Patrick Mahomes. We're talking about Cam Newton. Like all these, it's just yeah. amazing how it's happened. And so I, I just want to point out like sometimes when, when we, and I think we'll, whether we're talking about quarterbacks or we're talking about any kind of other issue of injustice or being uh, underrepresented, underrepresented, overlooked, Sometimes those of us who are here, we're in the moment and we're saying, what is this all worth? Sometimes you don't see it in, in, your, in your prime or sometimes you don't even see it in your lifetime. It may, take, it may take some time. It may take some sacrifices on your part to open the doors for other people. So you look at guys like Warren Moon who had to go to Canada and who was a great college quarterback mm-hmm. and it was totally ignored. You look at, and we just showed Lamar Jackson. Fortunately, he had a great franchise like the Baltimore Ravens who said, no, I know he's a so-called running quarterback. I know that a Hall of Fame general manager said he should play wide receiver, but we're going to draft him in the first round. We're going to play him at quarterback, and we're going to allow him to use his unique skill sets. Even though we haven't seen it before in this league, we're going to allow him to use his unique skill sets and play the position the way he wants to play it. I, I just think it's, a, it's an interesting point that we're at and it kind of happened to the point we're not even talking about. It's not even a conversation anymore and it happened quick. Well, it's, it's, it hasn't. I mean, honestly, it hasn't been a conversation for several years now. It has, it, you know, like it's right. It's been the norm. It's been normalized, as they say, for several years, black quarterbacks uh, in the NFL. Um, there are still every now and then some tropes and mm-hmm. some double standards that creep up for the most part, right? It's it's an afterthought. Um, on the flip side, I hope that one day somebody, you know, hopefully not too far from now is sitting on a program like this as we go to break uh, sitting on a program like this and giving a impromptu history lesson about the history of head coaches because it's like they say quarterbacks an extension of the head coach, right? But like if you try to right. reverse that, you know, try to re- reverse it. It's like there's still a glass ceiling 
when it comes to the head yes. coach and above position. Head coach, yes. general manager, obviously ownership is the is the is the frontier that uh, black people haven't been able to touch in the NFL in particular. So just hopefully we can look back at 2021 and look at it, whether as Byron Leftwich, Eric Bieniemy, or anybody else who's been waiting for an opportunity where it seems like they're overdue for it, can look back and say that was part of the struggle. Lasted a little longer than we thought it should struggle. or would, yes. but maybe one yes. day we get to a point where black coaches is go is goes the way of black quarterbacks, which is just yes, sir. Pretty much just quarterbacks. Yes. You know, hopefully that that day is right. Just corner. quarterbacks. Yeah. All right. Starting quarter. Got, got one more thing to cover on the other side of this break. Yeah. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey, man. Uh, Stokely has a whole basement to himself. Stokely Carmichael Smith has a whole basement to himself. But he loves his little spot uh, right next to my bed on these two pillows. Um, my little guy just wanted to shout him out, Michael. I know you know what today is. Today is National Dog Day, bruh. So I know you National got like, you got like three, four dogs running around. You, you like Goldie Hawn and seems like old times. You just got a bunch of dogs that be visiting. <laughs> you remember that movie? That's my, my favorite movie. Oh, I do. Dogs visiting, acting on their own. Yeah, so that's Stokely Carmichael, man. I love that little dude. My, I, I thank my oldest man. daughter for forcing us to get him because if not for Savannah, we'd have never gotten a dog because she just would not let us. How old is Stokely? How old is Stokely now? That's his spot. Uh, a little over a year. Yeah. Oh, year. that's it? March, March 9th, I believe is his birthday. March 9th. Oh, uh, there we go. Right next to the wallet. That's one of the old ones, That was uh, Bella. Yeah, it was Bella. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. We uh, we lost her last year. Still, uh, still a presence in our house. But we got uh, now we've got pumpkin. We got poppy seed and Eloise. <laughs> Eloise, the new one. We got three. Nine weeks old. Three kids and three dogs. Three pugs. All right, bro. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.